All right, let's all stand. It's good to see everybody out tonight. So let's all stand, page 317. Seated, page 296.
page 406 after this we're going to my granddaughter's here tonight I don't want to hear her sing so we're going to let her come sing one after this I don't get to hear much Oh! Uh -huh. 
sing and we'll let the Bud's kids come sing after that. See 
When clouds of doubt hover o'er me And the angry waves toss me to and fro There is a place I can go He's a shield from every tempest He's an anchor that is sure in times like these It's good to know that God, God is my refuge A strong and mighty tower that I can run to God is my refuge Without Him What would I do? Once I wandered from the shelter And just ahead I could not see so heavy with rain angry winds blew hard against me but he called out and i ran to him and now i am safe from the storm now god is my refuge strong and mighty tower that I can run to. God is my refuge. Without Him, what would I do? Without Him, what saved say amen, amen. <clears throat> how would you like to live your life out knowing what you've already been through and where you're at right now without christ what without him what would we do i'm so thankful that he is alive can i get a witness right there brother bud you make your way on up here if you enjoyed the meeting this morning say amen amen, amen. it was good this morning we uh we traveled with uh, Abraham. We're going to travel with him again tonight, him and Brother Bud, and I'm looking forward to what he's got for us tonight. You come on, Brother Bud. Thank you, preacher. Sure love you. All right. Glad you saved. Say amen. amen. Take your Bibles, please. The book of Genesis, chapter number 12. Genesis, chapter number 12. We'll pick up our reading where we left off on this morning. In verse number 10 and read down to verse number 20. I'd read 24 verses of Genesis 12, but there are only 20 verses. So that makes sense, don't it? Come on now, y'all. Switch back to regular. Decaf coffee's killing our church services. Amen. 
Doctor may say caffeine's bad for you, but I say it's good. Good for the church. In fact, I'm going to put a, I'm gonna put a, a Red Bull water fountain out in the vestibule. Get this thing crunked up. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you're glad you saved, say amen. Man, I love that word. Did you know that almost every book of your New Testament, with the exception of one, maybe two, ends in the word amen. I love that word. I love the word amen. My favorite word, there's a singing a while ago and used it in that song, hallelujah, that's my favorite word. Do you know why it's my favorite word? I'm going to tell you why it's my favorite word. It's because God, I study in chapter 11, Genesis. How many of y'all remember the Tower of Babel? God, whatever it was that was doing, preacher, God didn't like it. And God didn't like it so bad that he decided to divide the whole world. By the way, God divided the world, didn't he? Somebody say amen. Now here I am giving out free sermons again, but I'm feeling so generous. Y'all are so good. Don't tell everybody. They'll all want it. But in Genesis chapter number 10, and I believe it's verse number 5, it's in there somewhere. There are four reasons, how, there are four, four ways or, or how God divided us. Number one, by our language. Would you say amen to that? Those that spoke Chinese went that way. Those that spoke uh, Russian went that way. Help me somebody. God divided us by our language. And then God divided us by our lands. We lived in separate places. Divided by our language and divided by our land. And then divided by our lifestyle. That word nations, nationalities. It carries with it a uh, lifestyle idea. And then divided by our loved ones. Family units were divided. But I'm going to tell you where how God never divided us. By how we look. Somebody say amen. I'm, I'm fishing for an amen right there. We were never, ever, ever divided by how we look in this Bible. That's how we're being divided now. Don't fall for it. Somebody say amen. I could take you to Acts chapter 17 and show you where God took one blood and made all nations. Do you like Greek words? I don't like Greek words. I like Greek salads. But here's your Greek word. I'm going to lay on you. It's the word ethnos, ethnicities. Those are the nationalities. You know there's only one race. Oh my goodness, y'all. Come on now. There, did you know there's only one race? It's called the human race. We're being divided by something that God never divided us by. Well, I thought I'd give you that brand hammer new free sermon right there for you. Out of Genesis chapter number 10. I was telling you about my favorite word. Before God divided the language, before he, before he zapped them and divided them their language, he said, hang on a minute, wait a minute. Let's give them one word. That, did you know that hallelujah, no matter what language you're talking about, hallelujah means hallelujah anywhere you go. Did you know that? Did you, I, did you know that if you, if you go to another country where they do not speak English and you say the word hallelujah, they know you're praising the Lord. God said, before I, before I divide them, I want to give them one word so that no matter where they go or who they're with, they'll know how to praise the Lord. Praise God. I didn't think, I thought that would excite somebody besides myself. I'm signing my own Bible again. I'm running out of space. I may have to start signing other people's Bibles. Where is my glasses? Oh, they're on my face. Genesis chapter number 12. You ever think about the hereafter? When the older I get, Brother Dale, I, I think about the hereafter. I go to a room and I think, now what was I hereafter? Amen. 
Well, I forgot where I was at there for a minute, but I'll tell you where I'm at. Genesis chapter number 12. Come with me and let's, let's do what Paul Harvey said. Give you the rest of the story. Thank you for your goodness and kindness to, our, to my family letting them sing. Genesis chapter number 12. And look at verse number 10. By the way, uh, some Bibles don't have them, but, but there's that little mark. You see the 10? Uh, the number 10, and then there's that little mark that's called a paragraph mark. And so we're picking up in a brand new paragraph in Genesis chapter number 12. Look, uh, look at verse number 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And it came to pass when he was coming near to enter into Egypt, but he said unto Sarai's wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they, will, they, they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated him well, excuse me, he entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and all his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why saidest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. That's read in Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 through 20. Would you pray with me this morning, tonight? Pray with me and pray for me. Our Father, thank you for the reading of the Word of God. I thank you, Lord, for the good singing, the sweet spirit. Thank you, Lord, for these that have gathered here tonight. And Lord, we did not gather to hear what, the, what comes from man. But I pray that you would bypass the feeble preacher. I pray you would take us by the hand. Walk us through the pages of your Bible. And may we glean handfuls of purpose. You alone can help us tonight. And we lean heavily upon you. And we thank you for it and give you glory. Best we know how. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Jump back with me into chapter 12. And look at verse number 1. And notice with me the revealed. The revealed will of God for Abraham. Now the Lord had said unto Abram. Now I don't know when God said this to Abraham. But I know where he said this to Abraham. If you'll read, if you'll read uh, Acts chapter 17 and Stephen, that, uh, that uh, preaching deacon in Acts chapter number 17 stood up and he preached about Abraham. Here's what he said. The God of glory. Oh, that's exciting. 
That's exciting because it only appears one other time in the word of God. The God of glory. Here's what it says. He appeared unto our father Abraham. Hallelujah. I don't know what all happened. But I do know according to what Stephen preached. That the God of glory appeared unto Abraham. Hallelujah y'all. It wasn't like that with me. That was a 15 passenger van. Rolled up a red clay driveway in Rossville, Georgia. On the side of it said Park City Baptist Church. That man come knocked on our door. Little single wide trailer. There was five of us boys and two stepbrothers. And said I'll take your sons ma'am. My mama shook his hand and said you've got a deal. And slammed the door behind us. Amen. Hallelujah. That's how it all happened with me. I didn't get saved then. But the first time I ever heard the gospel. First time I ever felt the tug. Can I get a witness? The tug of the Holy Ghost of God on my soul. It wasn't like. It, I didn't see no. There wasn't no flashes of light. Help me somebody. It wasn't like it was with Abraham. The God of glory. Appeared unto him. In Mesopotamia. Hey, thank God for that. But that's not how it worked with me. What's it going to take to get Abraham in God's will? God appeared to Abraham. Revealed himself to Abraham. Now listen, listen I'm going to go on. I got in trouble by a preacher who uh, didn't appreciate how I was sort of hard on Abraham. You see, Abraham's a hero to many people. Now understand that. He's the father of the faith. He's uh, the friend of God. He, he's, he's, uh, he's father Abraham. Have you, y'all know who Abraham is? Father Abraham had many sons. Have me somebody. Right, kick, left, punch. I went to a bad school. It was, that's how we sang it though. You know who Abraham is. And if he's your hero, don't let this stuff upset you. That I'm pointing out inconsistencies with this man of faith. Don't let it bother you. I'm going to tell you something. You don't need, an, you don't need an evangelist to show up from Alabama to, 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 pre, to take a text and preach on how things happen when you do everything right. Help me somebody. That'd be a waste of time. It's, but it's those, listen, I don't watch golf much because I'm not, I, I, don't have, I don't have bouts of depression. But when it's on and I'm looking at it, I don't, I don't care to see them hit it 345 yards down the middle of the fairway. That don't impress me a hair. Amen. I can't do that. But I, like, I tell you what I do like to see. I like to see them slice it over in the cabbage. Help me somebody. It's when I, that's when I do fist bumps. Because at that moment, I, hallelujah, can golf like a pro. Praise God. Huh? Yeah, and so pardon my, uh, I don't know what you call it. I don't know what you call it, my uh, weird personality. But I'm looking at this man, and what I want to know, here's what James chapter 2 says, that Abraham was the friend of God. It does not say that God was Abraham's friend. We do know he was. That's not what the verse is telling us. The verse is telling us that it was God that considered... I understand Abraham considering God his friend. I understand who, who wouldn't want God to be their friend. God is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. 
but that's not what the verse tells us. It implies to us that God considered Abraham his friend. Now, my mama wouldn't let me just hang out with anybody. Help me somebody. Now, amen, that family that mom, your mama wouldn't let you hang out with, that was our family's, what that was. <laughs> and, and if you didn't have somebody in your life your mom and daddy wouldn't let you hang out with, guess who was the bad kids? Amen. We were, none, of, none of us allowed to hang out with y'all. You, here's, what, here's why she would justify that by saying, you're going to start acting like that crowd you hang around with. Help me somebody. And so it surprises me that God would choose somebody like Abraham to hang out with. Hallelujah. He reveals himself to him in special ways. Here's what he said to him. Get thee out of thy country. Oh, honey, for you to get in the place that God wants you to be, you're going to have to give up your favorite places. Help me, somebody. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I know it. That's why God ain't never going to say. He said, get thee out of thy country. You're going to have to give up your favorite places. And from thy kindred. Oh, help me right here. From your favorite people. Come on now. In order to get where God wants you to get, sometimes you'll have to, you'll have to leave your favorite places and your favorite people. And from thy father's house. Oh, my. Don't you know Abraham had plans? Sure he did. He stood to inherit, not the two-thirds, but being the, old, being the oldest. He stood to inherit all of his father, Tira's, uh 205 years worth of, of life. He stood to inherit all of it. God said, I want you to walk away. Here's what God says to Abraham. Let me break it down so you'll understand. I want you to quit your job. I want you to sell your house. I want you to liquidate your assets. I want you to say goodbye to everything familiar. I want you to say goodbye to your family and friends. And I want you to go somewhere. And Abraham said, where are we going? He said, I'll tell you when we get there. Amen. Come on now, y'all. Amen. Unto a land that I will show thee. Hallelujah. Look at verse number four. Are you looking at your Bible? Chapter 12 and verse number four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. By the way, that's, that's where I got real interested in this. I wanted to preach on Lot. Because I want to find out what, what's the difference between Lot and Abraham. I, went, I really, really, really wanted to preach on Lot. There's a Lot here. I've got a Lot on my heart. But that's all I got is jokes and no sermons. That's why I'm preaching Abraham. Look at, look at verse 4. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. 75 years. It took this man 75 years to get in God's will. I got another sermon. It's another sermon for a different time. But what's it going to take to get you in God's will? Well, tell you what it took Abraham. Did you know it didn't? It, was, it wasn't until the death of his brother Haran until he left Ur the Chaldees. It wasn't until the death of his father till he left Haran. It, it took tragedy to get a hold of Abraham. It took tragedy. It took, you know what it takes for a lot of people? To, in order for God to get their attention. Here's what Stephen said. The God of glory appeared unto him. You'd think that was enough. It took him 75 years to get in God's will. Verse number four. He gets in God's will in verse number five. 
passes through God's will in verse number six. Preacher showed me this this afternoon. I'm going to say it. Preacher's wise. Praise God. I missed this. Brother John Bell, he's getting credit for this one. Look at verse number eight. He pitched his tent between Bethel and Hai. You got one way west and the other way east. Guess which way Abraham went. Look at verse number nine. Journeyed going still toward the south. Hey, y'all. He tried to split the difference. He tried to straddle a fence that does not exist. Oh, my. Hallelujah. I don't yet know what to do with that, but I'm probably going to write a whole sermon on just that and preach it and tell them God gave it to me. Amen. Ain't no shame in my game, honey. Huh? I'm an evangelist. I preach every week somewhere. I used to, my, the biggest question in my life was what's for dinner. Now it's what am I going to preach? Now I know what I'm going to preach. Huh? Is it facing the wrong direction? Striding the fence that didn't exist. He just got in God's will after 75 long years of being somewhere else. And now look at verse number 10. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt. Oh my, y'all. Now we labored this point this morning. I'll not try to labor it anymore, but I'll say it again. Just, uh, just for context, that uh, Canaan is a type, a picture, a, a reminder of God's will. Anybody in, in the Old Testament that, that was in Canaan land was in God's will. Anybody that left Canaan land left God's will. And by the way, here's another geological fact you'll find in the Old Testament. Anytime anybody ever leaves, ever left God's will, they always go down. You remember the book of Jonah? Jonah and the five times that Jonah went down. He was leaving God's will, leaving God's presence, and he went down. Honey, he went as low, as low as you can get. You always go down when you go away from God's will. You'll always wind up down. Look at verse number 10. There was a famine in the land, and Abram went down. Oh, my into Egypt. Now, if Canaan is a consistent type of God's will, and it is, or I wouldn't have preached it. Egypt is a, is a consistent type of the world. And I'm going to tell you something about this thing. God and the world don't get along. Help me somebody. In fact, the Bible said in the book of James that the very friendship of the world is enmity with God. Did you know that there's a war going on? And I'm not talking about the Ukraine, honey. I'm talking about a real war. A war between light and darkness. Between God and this world. There is a war going on. In fact, the Bible said in 1 John chapter number 2, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, that didn't press y'all a bit. I worked hard to, to memorize that whole passage like that. And y'all just, come on now, come on. Amen. That's pretty good stuff, yes. Now, I'm going to sign my Bible again. I'm, I don't have, I may sign my wife's Bible app on her iPad. Amen. That's funny. Never mind, never mind. Never mind. You say, wait a minute, preacher. I thought God so loved the world. That's, thank you, John 3, 16. But that's the sinner's 
of the world. Oh, and he does. He loves all the sinners of God loves all, not just the enlightened, not just the elite. He loves all the sinners of the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He loves all the sinners of the world. That's not what that world's talking about. That system of the world. Did you know that this world system is against God? And I'll roll you one by you better than that. God is against this world system. This world system hates God. And God hates this world system. Oh, you oh, wait a minute now, preacher. Wait a minute. I know Joe Holstein won't never tell you that. But did you know God hates some stuff? You can't love without hate. That's an imbalance. God hates some stuff. In fact, I direct you to Proverbs chapter 6. Is it chapter 6 or is it chapter 9? I got a little dyslexia. Dyslexic's untie. Anybody else? No, just myself. Whatever. Amen. I got all kind of problems and issues and stuff going on. But that's all right. It's in Proverbs. You'll find it. Start in chapter 1, read to chapter 31, and you'll find it. But there's a list of seven things that God hates. He said they were abomination to him. Malachi talks about something God hates. There's a whole pile of stuff in that Bible that God hates. And do you know what? Do you know what one place is a representation of everything that God hates? It's this world system. This world system. God says that a little boy is a little boy. Oh, help me somebody. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. God says one thing. This world system says another thing. God says go this way. And the world system says go this way. There is a war. There is is enmity between God and this world system. And Egypt represents this world system. They worship everything but God. You know, one of the things I like to bring out when I'm preaching on Abraham is how he was a well digger and an altar builder. Everywhere he went, he built an altar. Except Egypt. He never built an altar in Egypt. There was no sacrifice going on in Egypt. There was no worship going on. Oh, there was no real worship going on in Egypt. There's plenty of worship. There were plenty of altars in Egypt. But none to the Lord God of heaven. They worship frogs. They worship flies. They worship cows. They worship everything. Everything but God. They'll worship everything but God. And the one rule... That God had when they came out of that land of idolatry. He said to the children of Israel. Before Moses climbed up in the Sinai. And brought down ten, ten rules on, a, on two tables. He said thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's the one rule God gave them. I don't want you to act like them Egyptians. I don't want you to worship those false gods like those Egyptians. And don't worship those other gods like your fathers did. On the other side of the flood. Oh my. God feels pretty strongly about this idolatry business, y'all. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Same thing I thought when I read it. I think I'm in the clear. I don't have a pot belly Buddha on my mantelpiece at the house. Huh? <laughs> Come on. I'm not, are you with me? I don't, have, I don't have something I have to bow down to at the house. Rub its little fat, shiny belly. I was over in, well... Never mind. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I'm just letting that go. By the way, you're welcome. You don't even know. You're welcome. And uh, 
I don't have, I said, I, I don't have a problem with idolatry. You know what God reminded me of? Anything that you put in front of God becomes an idol. Oh my. You know what the preacher said to me? Man, man at the wisdom. Now, I ain't just saying this because he's a precious, dear saint of God, hero of the cross. Laid some wisdom on me this afternoon. Not only the whole splitting the fence thing that I'm going to preach and I ain't going to tell nobody I got it from Brother John Dell. You know what he told me? He said, I about made church God during that. Oh, my soul. And I went back to all the times when I compared everybody's walk with God with their walk with church. Help me, somebody. Hey, your gospel can't be about nothing but the Lord Jesus. It can't be about nothing but the Lord Jesus. There's something special. Hallelujah. In the church. But it's all about Jesus. Thank God for that. Thank you for helping me on that, preacher. Where were we? Oh, yes. Our hero. He just got in God's will in verse number five. Now he's getting out of God's will. Would you say, man, if I were to tell you he left Cain and he left God's will? By the way, preaching on Abraham and the will of God. I, I preached this, preach this not long ago. Young pastor, I announced the, the thought that I would be preaching on Abraham and the will of God. He told me later, I was real excited. I was hoping you would tell me God's will for my life. <laughs> Amen. Boy, wasn't he disappointed. I said, I am leery of people telling other people what God's will is for people's life. Help me somebody. I'm, I'm real. I'm real. Uh, that's a red flag. A real man of God will never tell you what God's will is for your life. And I'm not talking about Bible commands, honey. You ain't even got to pray about it. You read a thou shalt, don't even pray about it. Don't give it a minute's thought. Just obey. Do what the Bible says. Do that's different. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about them areas where you don't, you think maybe it might be this. You think maybe it might be that. And you don't know which you think maybe. I don't know. Help me somebody. Don't go looking for a preacher to tell you what to do. Because if he's a real man of God, he would never tell you. God's will. It's not our job to tell you what God's will is. Now we will tell you what God's will ain't. Help me somebody. Elijah, Elijah knew more about the will of God for Elisha when he came down off of Horeb. God had revealed to Elijah God's will for two kings and a prophet. He came down off of Mount Horeb and he knew God's will for Elisha. Walked by him through that mantle on him. All he was doing, all Elisha knew was I got to get this, I got to get this field plowed. He was plowed with 12 yoke of oxen and a man of God walked by through that mantle. Let me know what that meant. He said, let me go pray. Let me go back and kiss my father and mother. He said, what have I done to thee? I didn't call you. Help me somebody. Elijah said, I'm not going to tell you what God's will is for your life. Help me somebody. There's something that run around telling everybody what God, I don't know what God wants me to do half time, let alone tell somebody else what God wants them to do. I'll tell you what God's will ain't. A lady came to me one time, I was pastor, and this may be why I'm no longer a pastor. You know what? It's evangelist. That's a Greek word. means they won't give you a church. Did I tell you all that this morning? And uh, she came to me. She said, uh, she said, preacher, I believe, I know. She said, I believe God I believe God wants me to divorce my husband and marry this other fellow. <laughs> oh, help me, Jesus. Ma'am. <laughs> well, you can imagine how that conversation went. 
Did y'all know October was Pastor Appreciation Month? Did y'all know there was a Pastor Appreciation Month? I didn't know it. Amen. <laughs> May is Evangelist Appreciation Month, by the way. I figured if everybody else is making stuff up, like National Donut Day, except National Brothers Day. Anybody's making that up, I'll make one up. My guess is as good as theirs, I suppose. He knows he just got in God's will. Now he gets out of God's will. Look where he finds himself. Verse number 10. He went down into Egypt to sojourn there. The one place that God hates. The one pl- and that's what will happen, honey. You walk away from the revealed will of God. You will ultimately wind up in the one place you ain't supposed to be. Honey, amen. You're not supposed to. Listen, there, no child of God has got any business hanging out. We got no business hanging out with them camels stealing, no bacon eating, moon worshiping down in Ur of the Chaldees. We shouldn't be hanging out with them. But we, we, we sure shouldn't be. If you know anything about the Egyptians, here's what Abraham said. He said, they're, they're, they're going to kill me. He knew what kind of people. Our hero had a knack for getting in bad places with bad people. And if you know anything about the Egyptians, honey, they're, they're worse than the Canaanites. They're worse than the Chaldeans. They're worse than the Chaldeans and the Canaanites put together. I, you get down in Egypt, you'll wish somebody would steal your camel. Amen. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Oh, he's in a bad place. This is the worst possible place. He got out of God's will and found himself in the worst possible place. Let me give you, let me give you four things he found when he got out of God's will quickly. I, I didn't even bring my watch tonight, but I'm going to give them to you real quick. Y'all ready? Look at verse number 10. And God forbid, by the way, that anybody should really need this. But just in case. Just in case. Because here's the takeaway lesson. It's not as hard to get out of God's will as you think it is. Amen. If you're sitting there and you think you're above it, you're closer to it than you think. Here's some Bible. Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Oh my. It's not as hard to get out of God's will as you you may think. One wrong turn to get you out of God's will. One, one bad move, one phone call could wreck everything for y'all. Amen. Oh, it's not as hard to get out of God's will as you may think it is. But look at what he found when he got out of God's will. Look at verse number 10. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. You know what the first thing Abraham found? When he got out of God's will, a grievous famine. Now I said this morning, I'll say it again. Abraham was not the first, or excuse me, was not the last of the Old Testament patriarchs to have to deal with a famine in the land. And please don't think that this famine was just centered in the land of Canaan. If it got dry at at the house of God, help me right here. If it got dry at the house of God, guess what the climate was down in Egypt. By the way, by the way, he he left Canaan land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Left the revealed will of God because it got dry. Guess where he went? To Egypt. Y'all... Do you, have you ever seen any pictures? Do y'all know what they got in Egypt? Sand. Do you know if you was to get a shovel and dig underneath the sand of Egypt, do you know what you'd find? 
more sand. Rent a backhoe from Russell Dewitt Center. Dig underneath the sand, underneath the sand. Down in Egypt, guess what you'll find? More sand. He left the known will of God. A land flowing with milk and honey because it got a little dry and found himself in the driest climate, in the driest place in the entire world. You know why they're starving to death over there? Because they live in a desert. We got deserts in America. We don't live in them. Help me somebody. Move to a river. Amen. It dried up. And by the way, by the way, here's what the Bible said. I think it's in Jeremiah or maybe it's in Isaiah or maybe it's in Ezekiel. But you'll find it. If you'll start in Genesis 1 and read to Revelation 22, you will find it. Woe unto them that go down into Egypt for help. God don't even want us to go to Egypt to get help in times of drought. In fact, if you'll read Genesis chapter 26, when Isaac had that drought in his lifetime, God came to Isaac and said, don't leave the land. Stay in the land. Stay in the land of Canaan. I know things are dry right now, but it ain't time to jump ship. It ain't time to get out of the land. Stay in the land. Don't go to Egypt. And Isaac was the only Old Testament patriarch to never leave the land of Canaan. He got pretty close when he got down to Gerar to Abimelech's. If Haran is halfway to God's will, Gerar is halfway out of God's will. Oh my. We're not preaching about Isaac now. You know what Abraham found when he got out of God's will? A grievous famine. And by the way, there's something a whole lot worse than drying up physically. And that's drying up spiritually. I mentioned earlier, Abraham, Abraham built no altar in Egypt. He dug no well in Egypt. There was no worship going on in Egypt. By the way, do you know where the first recorded song in your Bible appears? In Exodus chapter number 15. Exodus chapter number 15 is when they crossed over the Red Sea. When they were no longer in Egypt. They got out of Egypt by the blood of a lamb. But it was not until they got over on the other side of the Red Sea that the first ever song was recorded in your Bible. Wasn't no singing going on in Egypt. Wasn't no worship going on in Egypt. Wasn't no praying going on in Egypt. And there's something far worse than drying up physically and dying physically. And that's drying up spiritually and dying spiritually and Abraham's soul got lean God sent leanness oh my anybody that walks away from the known will of God will inevitably find themselves in a place they should never have been look at the second thing <clears throat> oh my look at verses 11 and 12 and it came to pass when he was coming near to enter to Egypt and he said unto Sarai's wife Behold, now I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Now, if that had been the end of the story, he would have been doing fine. Amen. But look at verse number 12. Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is his wife, and they will kill me. They will save thee alive. Isn't it interesting? that the one? You know why Abraham left Canaan land? Because he didn't want to die. Do you know what the first thing he ran into when he got down in Egypt? 
The very thing that he was trying to avoid in God's will was the very thing he found himself face to face with in Egypt. You won't talk about the worst possible place. This is the worst possible place and the worst possible people. Abraham has now found himself in a bad place with some bad people. He realized it too. The fear of God's not in this place. He could have said the same as he said to Abimelech. They're going to kill me and they're going to steal you. Oh my. You know what he experienced when he got out of God's will? Not only did he find a grievous famine, but number two, he found a great fear. Oh my. Isn't it interesting that the man known throughout the Bible as a man of great faith is, is displaying in this chapter a great fear. I don't know what to think about it. In, in, chapter, in chapter 14, he took 318 servant soldiers and went down and fought with five kings and whooped all of them just to get his backslid nephew Lot back. Huh? Amen. But here he is in a bad neighborhood, overcome with fear. He's overcome with fear. Did you know that there's a bad fear released in this world right now? Oh, there's a spirit of fear. You know why there's such anxiety? There's such... You can't even go to Walmart without a fist fight breaking out in aisle six. You can, help me, somebody. You, you can't go to Sam's Club without some, somebody cussing at your wife. <laughs> we were getting chicken, you know, because we were at Sam's. Can I get a witness right there? We were getting chicken. Does that make sense? Of course it does. And now we were getting chicken. I was on the phone. And here, my wife was getting chicken. Some guy walks by and says something to her. And I thought, what? That sounded rough. What was it? What did he? I walked over and said, what did that man say to you, honey? And he was walking down the other aisle. And he started hollering at what he had said. I told her and used cuss words to my wife. Now, y'all, in Jesus' name, I beg you, don't mess with mama. Amen. I, I, I I don't, I don't know what might happen to somebody. Look up in here. There's a cage fighter in there. Probably, probably more than one, depending on what weight class they plan on using. Brother Terry, I don't know what actually will happen to somebody's body because I've never actually been in a fight. But we pray that day never does come. I mean, I don't, know what my, I don't know what I might have to do to somebody physically. You know, I may reach in there and pull his heart out and show it to him. Before he dies, I've seen that one time. I don't know what might happen. We pray that day never comes. But that man used curse words to my wife. I don't know what happened, Brother John. I'm here to confess my sins to you. Brother John, forgive me. It's been, I don't know how many years since my last confession. I started towards him. I'm not a fighter, y'all. Come on now. Uh, I started towards him. I don't know if it was God or the Holy Ghost, but somebody said, Bud! I mean, I don't know if it was my wife or the Holy Ghost. They sound exactly the same. <laughs> but I walked underneath the rack. It was, it, there was a crates missing there. You know, the rack is just like that. I mean, at least seven foot, maybe, maybe, maybe eight, ten foot, you know. But I just fit under it. I, I, I just walked right underneath the rack. And that man didn't know I was coming at him. I mean, it scared him. You know, he took off. And uh, I said, that's right. <laughs> huh? 
better, you better, you better, you better go down through there. <laughs> he didn't know what was going to happen, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I'd have hit him with a can of corn or something. I don't know what was going. But either my wife or the Holy Ghost said, "Bud, oh my!" And I realized what was happening. There's the spirit of fear that's overcome this entire world. It's crept into the church. Let me lay some scripture on you. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm not going to live in fear, y'all. I'm not going to do it. Hey, by, by the way, I'm not going around licking doorknobs. Can I get a witness? And I've been washing my hands long before the cool kids started washing their hands. Help me, somebody. All you need to do is start preaching at the county jail, and you'll, fight, you'll start washing your hands. Can I get a witness? Enough said. Ain't going to say no more about it. Amen. And I've been washing my hands ever since then. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in fear. That's what this thing does is when you get out of God's will. When you, when you walk away from the known will of God, you exit that umbrella of protection. And there's no telling what's liable to happen. Oh, Abraham was overcome with a great fear. Number, oh, look at this one. Number, number three. Look at verse number 13. This is my favorite one to point out to you. You know what he found when he got out of God's will? Number one, he found a grievous famine. Number two, he found a great fear. Verse number 13. Say, I pray thee, that thou art my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. He found a, grievous, a gross failure. This was the darkest blot on the testimony of Abraham. This moment right here. Chapter 12 and verse 13. Underline chapter 12 and verse 13. As the ugliest blot. The darkest moment. In our hero's testimony. He lied. He, he told a lie. And told that his wife was his sister. He lied, and it was a gross failure. I know what you're thinking. Same thing I was thinking because I read chapter 20. You know, he got down to chapter 20, done his thing again. I don't have time to preach it, but when I preach on that, when I preach it like this, same song, second stanza, still off key. That's a pretty good title, ain't it? As I don't have a sermon. I just have a title. I don't never have titles, but I got a good title, no sermon. That's why I didn't preach that in chapter 12. Here he is lying about his wife. He lied. Here's what you find out if you read chapter 20. Abimelech scolded him just like Pharaoh did. He said, why'd you do this? He said, I thought fear, there's no fear of God in this place. He said, and technically, she is my sister. She's my father's daughter, but not my mother's daughter. She was his half sister. And so this is not, it, this is a half truth. Would you say, man, if I were to tell you that this was nothing short of a little white lie? After all, I'll quote somebody uh, here. Some people don't deserve the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, here's the deal. Here he is in Egypt. He's in the worst possible place with the worst possible people. And he's dealing with somebody. If you've ever ran into anybody that does not deserve the truth, it's this crowd down here in Egypt. And he told them, oh my, he said that his 
wife was his sister. But, but we find out in chapter 20 that they were half brother and half sister. So this was a half truth. That's a little white lie, isn't it? That's the most innocent. That's the most, I mean, it's justifiable. Could you not justify it? They're going to kill him. I don't know what Sarah thought about it. Help me somebody. She, every time they got into a bad neighborhood, he threw her on the bus to save his own skin. Yeah. Amen, y'all. Don't sound like the father of the faith to me, does it you? I tried to tell you he got off to a slow start. This was a little white lie. I read the commentaries, and the commentaries didn't deal with it. One, in fact, I'm not going to tell you who it was. One, in fact, almost said that this was a normal reaction to these adverse circumstances. In other words, if you get in a bad place, it's okay to tell a little white lie to save your skin. I would like to check that man's tax records. <laughs> huh? What I'm presenting to you tonight is that this was the darkest, ugliest blot on the testimony of a hero in the Bible. This was the moment. If I were to ask you when David's moment was, you would tell me that it was a time when kings go forth to battle. When David should have been out there in the battlefield with the Ark of the Covenant with Joab and the armies of Israel, but was walking on his rooftop, sleeping half the day, and saw Bathsheba bathing. Help me somebody. Hey, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, don't be surprised when bad things happen. This is, that, this is that time. If I were to name David, you wouldn't think about the sweet psalmist of Israel. You wouldn't think about the eternal king whose sure mercies we'll see even in the millennial. You wouldn't think about, you wouldn't think about the giant killer, David. You'd think about Bathsheba. This is that moment for Abraham. He told a lie, little white lie. And I'm gonna show you the magnitude of this mistake. Look at your Bible. Sure enough, verse 14, it came to pass when, the, when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. Sure enough. And sure enough, verse 15, the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the, sure enough, his greatest fears have now been realized. She was taken into Pharaoh's house. He got down there in Egypt. He got out of God's will and lost. I wonder if you'll say amen right here. Husband, y'all better say amen. The best thing that has ever happened to him. He lost the best thing that has ever happened to him. His helpmeet got the gift the gift of God to Abraham lost her. And now she's, in, she's not only in another man's house, she is in Pharaoh's house. If he'd have tried, if he'd have took him 318 soldier servants he had in his house and stormed the gates of the palace in Egypt, guess what they'd have done to him? They would have, they would have killed him and buried him in the sand. Amen. He was, he, he messed up. He messed, he, he, oh, look at verse 16. You got to see this. You got to see this. He, that's Pharaoh, entreated Abram well for her sake. Huh? Look at what, look at what Abraham got in exchange for the best thing. 
I'm going to say it again, y'all. She was the best thing that has ever happened to him. You know why I go after a man for cussing mama and Sam's Club in Opelika, Alabama? Because she's the best thing that God ever gave to me. Somebody holler amen. Best thing God ever did for he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. Hallelujah. She's gone now, y'all. And look at what he gets. Oh my, look at what Pharaoh gave him in exchange for his wife. What'd he get? Oh, he got sheep. What a blessing. And oxen. Well, hallelujah. He asses, man. Men servants, maid servants, she asses and camels. <laughs> he, oh, here's what, here's what, now I, I hope this don't offend nobody, but my granny said we was three quarter inch Cherokee. And I know that ain't a thing, but that's just what my granny said. So here's what the old Indian would have said. Bad trade. Huh? Huh? Come on now, y'all. <laughs> bad trade. Yeah, this was a bad trade. The best thing you ever had. Best thing, best thing God ever gave to him. And what did he get? Some old Egyptian cow. Help me somebody. Don't get me started right here. Don't let me wax too eloquent. But you walk away from the known will of God. You'll find yourself in a bad place with some bad people. And you will lose every good thing God ever gave you. And you'll wind up with some old Egyptian Oh, mine ain't going to say that. Amen. Cow. That's what I want to say. Oxen and sheep and... O oh, my goodness. By the way, Abraham had a knack for gathering stuff. Always in bad places. Always in bad places. That's a different sermon for a different time. Here's what he did. He traded the best thing ever happened to him for some sheep and some, and some oxen and some, cam and some donkeys and some servants and some camels. Traded the best. Oh, I still don't think you're feeling the full weight of this mistake. This was the darkest blot in the life of Abraham. Let me lay this on you. Every promise God ever made to Abraham had something to do with seed. Every time God showed up in Abraham's life. Every time God spoke to Abraham, he mentioned his seed. Well, guess what, neighbor? No Sarah, no seed. Amen. You have no Sarah. Hey, let me, let, let me say it to you like this. No Sarah, no Isaac. He's not going to have the promised seed if he does not have Sarah. Abraham said in chapter number 15, he said, uh, the Eliezer of Damascus is my heir. He said, this is not going to be your heir. He thought it was going to be Lot. It was not going to be Lot. It was not going to be Eliezer of Damascus. And it wasn't going to be Hagar's son, I Ishmael. Help me somebody. God plainly told him in chapter 17, Sarah, thy wife Sarah's going to have a son. That's where you're going to get this promised seed. All of the promises of God are wrapped up in this one thing that Sarah was going to have a baby. And now she's gone. Are you with? I still don't think you're experiencing with me the full weight of this mistake. Let me lay this one on you and see what you think. No Sarah, no Isaac. No Isaac, no Jacob. No Jacob, no Judah. No Judah, no David. 
No David, no Jesus. No Jesus, no Bethlehem. No Bethlehem, no Calvary. No Calvary, no empty tomb. No empty tomb, no salvation. Do you feel the full weight of the magnitude of this mistake? This little white lie nearly damned us all to hell. Little while, think about that next time you're tempted to tell. That's a little while lie. To somebody that don't even deserve the truth. It ain't about them. Not about them. Sin ruins everything. Sin wrecks everything. That is a principle throughout this book. Starting in Genesis chapter 3. Sin wrecks everything. Everything. Oh my. Now here he is. Can you imagine Abraham? He's staring up at the palace at night. Watching as the silhouettes pass by. Hoping to catch a glimpse of her. She's so close. But she's so far away. His precious wife. The promises of God. The best thing that's ever happened to him. And she's gone. And he can't do nothing about it. Abraham has dug himself into a hole that he cannot get out of. He's gotten out of the known will of God. Got himself into a bad place. He's in the worst possible place. With the worst possible people. In the worst possible predicament. And there ain't nothing he can do about it. And that's what happens when you get out of God's will. And there's a fourth thing I want to point out to you that he found when he got out of God's will. When I found this, when I found this, I did a backflip huh? in my heart. Not a little, really literal, you know, I, I would have done a backflip. Look at verse 17. Would you read with me the first three words of verse 17 out loud? And the... Who did you... Read, read, it, read it again. Read it, read it again. And the, the, the Lord, the Lord is down there in Egypt. You've got to be kidding me. Preacher, wait a minute. I thought you said that, that place. He hates that place. Wouldn't be caught dead down there. That's the one place that represents everything he's against. And there are against him. They hate him. He hates, he hates the system. He, that's the one place he never would go. And the Bible plainly says in verse 17, the Lord went down to Egypt. Hallelujah. Do you know what Abraham found? Do you know what Abraham found when he got out of God's will? Yes, he found a grievous famine. Yes, he found a great fear. Yes, he found a gross failure. But he found a gracious friend. Hallelujah. God left the throne of heaven. Oh, Michael was standing there and said, Lord, where are you going? He said to Egypt. Michael, Michael pulled, his, pulled his sword and said, Egypt, you want me to go down there and kill them all? I'll go down there and kill every one of them. He said, no, Michael, I'm, I've got this and I've got this and on my own. I'm going to take care of this. And God leaves the portals of glory. Goes down to the worst possible place with the worst 
worst possible people. Hallelujah. Why would God do such a thing? God did that because that's his friend. I've been trying to tell y'all all day long that the Bible said that Abraham was the friend of God. I know God, I know Abraham considered God to be his friend, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that God considered Abraham to be his friend. And when his friend gets in trouble, God goes into action. When his friend gets into trouble, when his friend gets into a place that he can't get himself out of, thank God, God, uh, he'll vacate the throne if he has to. He'll come down to that old sinful land. He'll go places he said he'd never go. And he'll go down there just to get his friend out. Hallelujah. I may, I may turn a backflip now. I may take three laps around the building and bite somebody on the ankle. Any takers. Who has had their shots? Praise God, y'all. By the way, by the way, this ain't the last time God ever left heaven. Went down to Egypt with some plagues to get his friend out. Hey, praise God. Do you know sometimes God will break his own rules? He can because they're his rules. You know why God came down to Egypt? Because that was his friend. You know what Abraham found when he got out of God's will? He found a gracious friend. Here's the three takeaway lessons and I'm done. Number one, it's not as hard to get in God's will as you may think it is. He, had, he, he waited 75 years. Would you say, man, if I were to tell you he waited too long? That's too long. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're right now, if you're just right now getting serious about God, you waited too long. But I got good news. You didn't wait too late. He might have waited 75 years. That's too long, Brother Terry, but it ain't too late. All that he did, hallelujah. Hey, the greatest ability that God's looking for is availability. Hallelujah, y'all. God wanted Abraham. It took him a while, took him a while, got off to a slow start, but he got in. He might have waited too late, but he didn't wait too long. Thank God. It's not as hard to get in God's will as you think it is. It's not as hard to get out of God's will as you think it is. He got in God's will in verse 5 and got out of God's will in verse 10. That's five verses. He got in God's will, got out of God's will. And then by the time the chapter was over, God came down to Egypt, took him by the hand and led him up. Here's what the first verse of chapter 13 says. It says that Abram went up out of Egypt. Hallelujah. He got right back in God's will, went back to Bethel. Went back to the house of God. Went back to the place of the altar. Praise God, y'all. It ain't as hard to get, out, get in God's will as you may think it is. It's not as hard to get out of God's will as you may think it is. But here's, here's what I really, really, really wanted to tell you. And that'd be something to leave you to believe this. But it's not as hard to get back in God's will as you may think it is. Say, so, preacher, you don't know what happened. It don't matter what happened. God knows what happened. Hallelujah. And the same God... I love the story of the prodigal. That prodigal's father was waiting on that same porch, looking down that same road, waiting on his son to come back home. I'm going to tell you something, what God's waiting on. You think you're waiting on God? You're not waiting on God, honey. You're not waiting on God. The ball is in your court. Did you know the veil of the temple was rent? Rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And the only thing keeping you from God is you. Hallelujah. You can, be, you can get in God's will. Let's all stand together. I want to tell you this. I'm not going to tell you what God's will is, but I'll tell you what God's will is not. If you're here tonight and you're lost, that's not God's will. I can quote you some Bible. 
The Bible said he's not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffered to us. We're not willing that. Here's what, here's, here's what I want you to see. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here's what the Bible said. I think it's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, thereabouts somewhere. It says that, he's, that he will have all men to be saved, hallelujah, and come to the knowledge of the truth. You know what God's will? I'm not going to tell you what God's will is, but I'll tell you what God's will is not. If you're here tonight and you're lost, that's not God's will. It's not God's will. You'll never read a verse in your Bible that says heaven hath enlarged itself. You don't know why? Because when God made it, way back, way back, in the first few words of Genesis 1-1, He made enough room for every man, woman, boy and girl that ever was or ever will be born. Hallelujah. Here's what the Bible said. Hell hath enlarged itself. Had to. Had to. You die lost. I'm going to tell you now. That is not God's will. It's not God's will that any should perish. If you're here tonight and you're lost, you could be saved. You could be saved tonight. If you're here tonight and you say, Preacher, I know I'm saved, but I'm not really where God wants me to be. Listen, you might have waited too long, but you hadn't waited too late. There's still time. I don't know how much time, but there's time. You can come. You come. Let's pray. The preacher's going to take over. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the patience of God's good people as we've labored together in the scriptures. I pray that you'd, you'd make us doers of the work and not hearers only. Oh, God, I pray you'd do what you do and be who you are. You're good at being God. Help us, I pray, in this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen.